I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm David. All right. Uh, we're going to jump right into the news today. And our first story is about Cuba from David. Yeah, so there have been some ongoing protests in Cuba, uh, protesting, uh, well, they started as protests about uh, Cuba's handling of COVID, um, and specifically about vaccine unavailability, uh, but they have since spiraled into more comprehensive protests against the Castro regime more generally. Uh, protesting price controls, which have caused um, chronic shortages of pretty much everything in Cuba, um, and uh, just general political and social social illiberalism uh, from the Castros. Um, the uh, search term that you should Google to learn more is uh, SOS Cuba, uh, and you should... Um, you should Google that because they're being silenced by the mainstream media. But that's another topic that we'll get to in like 10 minutes. Um, I don't, are they being silenced by the mainstream media? Because I've heard a couple of things about this. Yeah, I've seen much less coverage of this than I had, than I would have expected to. And, um... Uh, to try to see whether this was just me or uh, whether it was, like, actually a thing. Uh, I did a straw poll on the Bayesian Conspiracy Discord. And let's see where the results are at. Uh, so I got five people who said that they heard about it. Um, and three people who said they hadn't. Um... And of the people who had heard about it, a couple more posted further down saying, like, they didn't know too much about the specifics or uh, that they had heard about it, but not through traditional news sources or things like that. Yeah, the the coverage I have seen of it has been rather vague. Um, I, what I, I heard that there were protests, but it was, like, pretty nonspecific about what started these protests um or why they were happening now it was more like oh well the economy's bad so people are protesting um and that's not exactly what what was happening um but from what i gather it's over uh, a lot of covid stuff and you know people basically starving is that the case david because i do uh, have heard very much, little yeah. about this like, I, I heard it was happening, but again, like like Wes, just very vague, you know, people are upset in Cuba kind of stuff. Not nearly the same as, you know, when uh, when France was going through its riots. Yes, that's basically correct, yeah. Um, and I see Cuban-Americans have been protesting also. Well, hold on, before the Cuban-Americans, like, how bad is the starvation here? Like, are we talking thousands of people dying in the streets, or what's going on? So, it's pretty hard to tell because the Castro regime is obviously denying any responsibility or the existence of anything that there would be any responsibility for but um 
I mean, the cause of the starvation is the same as the cause of the starvation in Venezuela, so call that a, a sensible starting place? By the cause of the starvation, the, the do you mean socialism? The cause of the starvation is, is... Yes. Okay. Yes. Alright, uh-huh. so what about the uh, Cuban-Americans? Uh, yeah, so Cuban-Americans have been protesting in solidarity... Uh, mainly they've just been protesting, uh, the lack of overt support from the American government, uh, which is honestly 100% valid, uh, lest we forget the Cuban-American vote was a non-trivial part of, uh, Trump winning Florida, which, even though he lost, was by far the biggest coup in the 2020 election, and Cuban Americans generally cited uh, Biden's unwillingness to dis or apparent unwillingness uh, to disavow socialism um, and like the DSA and so on as a reason for their supporting Trump. And hey, what do you know? That hasn't gone away just because Trump lost. And honestly, best reason to support Trump. But this is weird, right? Because we we still have an embargo on Cuba. Right? Like, official American foreign policy is like, Cuba, bad. Uh, so it's weird that the government is not being supportive of the protests. Uh, I mean, is that still our official policy? It is. We still have a... Yeah, but Obama officially normalized relations, and then Trump unnormalized them. Well, I mean, Obama didn't get very far with the normalization... And, like, Biden is basically Obama, too. It's Obama, but white. <laughs> and so... Like, the embargo never got lifted, which was the biggest thing, uh, I think, for everybody. So Obama didn't really get all that much done. Oh, my God. I just I just Googled this. Mm-hmm. You guys should know that the enforcement of the embargo, the law that authorized that, is called the Trading with the Enemy Act of 1917. <laughs> Wait, of 1917? 1917. Wait, so what enemy was it? I, I, uh, oh, I don't know. I get it. So, so did they just, like, reheat a World War One era um, law when they wanted to embargo Cuba? Uh, yeah, it seems that way. No, there's a bunch of other laws listed, too, that also um, have some enforcement power. But that's the first one. Uh, one of them is called the Cuban Democracy Act of 1992. <sighs> Hmm. Uh, so we literally have a law called the Cuban Democracy Act. Um, so we should probably, you know, probably be on the side of the protesters here. Uh, I don't know if they're yep. really demanding democracy, but they're certainly demanding not what they're doing now. That is a little unusual now that you mention it. I've gotten so used to, you know, Red Tribe being uh, pro-Cuban Americans and Blue Tribe being pro uh Letting Cuba stay, yeah, pro Castro, I guess. Letting Cuba stay socialist anyway, and not not doing much about it. That that it hadn't really occurred to me that the official U.S. position is still pro democracy in Cuba. Oh, see, I'm not used to the left being pro Cuba. Like the far left, who calls themselves socialists and communists and stuff, probably has some affinity for them. But that's like not like actual politicians. I'm used to actual politicians being like, yeah. Castro, bad. I mean, grumpy Uncle Bernie definitely had some, uh, had some, uh, 
pro Castro, um, uh, what you call him, uh, um, has some pro Castro history, shall we say? Which he, he's he's mostly tried to memory hold those, but Bernie feels about communist dictators like Trump feels about right wing dictators. It's uh, You're kind of not a problem. Wrong. Um, <laughs> do you want to tell us about um, Ron DeSantis's law? Yeah, so uh, during the, uh, um, so if you are unaware of Florida state-level politics, uh, stop listening to that this podcast right now because I'm about to r- ruin your innocence. But um, <laughs> uh, Florida has a pretty radically uh, pro-Trump uh, right-wing uh, governor named Ron DeSantis. Yeah, Ron DeSantis, he's a real piece of shit. Um, he, yeah, he sucks. Um, yeah, he, uh, just to give you an idea what sort of character we're dealing with here, he basically ordered the Florida, like, public health people to falsify COVID numbers to prevent them from making the Supreme Leader look bad. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, during the protests, uh, after George Floyd's death, he, uh, passed an anti-riot law, quote-unquote, uh, which was basically an anti-Black Lives Matter law, uh, which uh, criminalized some behavior, such as protesters blocking public roads and protesters uh, yelling too loudly at unapproved times and so on. Uh, and these are all things that the Cuban-Americans are currently doing uh, or at least we're doing when I added this to the outline of, like, a week ago. Also, best part of the law, it it authorizes citizens to drive through protesters blocking the street. Oh, I thought, I, yes. I remember hearing about that. That has actually made it into law? That is in the law. Holy shit. Yep. Uh, that holy shit being what? Ron DeSantis and his ilk can eat, but um, yeah, watching them backpedaling on this and trying to explain why they now have police protecting protesters when they have this law on the books that they fucking passed a few months ago, uh, saying that they won't do that and that you can drive through such protesters without liability has been pretty good. Even though I am, uh, even though I'm generally opposed to such laws on principle. Yeah, that's obviously like trying to stick it to Black Lives Matter, and now it's like, oh no, but we like these protesters. Um, do you know if the law has actually been used for anything in this I, case? I don't. Uh, legislative processes tend to be fairly slow, so most of the protesting was done by the time it was actually passed um so yeah i i am unaware of any cases that this law has actually been cited um or used or anything like that but uh still it's pretty funny yeah yeah and uh if i can editorialize for a minute i know this isn't troop deployments yet but uh in addition to the strong moral case for robust uh respect for free speech There's also a really strong practical case, which is nicely demonstrated here. And that case is 
it's very nearly an iron law of politics that any content-neutral censorship law will be used to target the allies of the person who passed it within about six months. <laughs> uh, I know that both times uh, in America that we have had uh, laws targeted at Nazi rallies, uh, they have both times been used to target the American Anti-Nazi League very shortly afterwards. Um and so just in general, if you are in politics and you want to pass laws to silence your opponents, don't. Because either they won't be content neutral, in which case the Supreme Court will throw them out, hopefully, in theory. Hmm. Uh, or they will be content neutral and they'll just fuck up your own side eventually. Whereby eventually, I mean sooner than you think possible. Didn't maybe I'm misremembering, but didn't Wes come out pro-passing laws that are good for his side? Like, you know, only apply to people he doesn't like? Um, I don't know. Did you, Wes? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, now that I say it, it sounds like a Wes sort of thing to say, but I could have sworn in the previous episode or two episodes ago, there was something where, where laws were not being equally applied, and you were like, yeah, fuck those other guys, because they suck. Damn it. Ah, I should have made a note. You know what? Cut all this out because I can't remember any specifics and I don't want to slander your name. I don't recall in general coming out uh, for using the legislative process to target my personal enemies. <laughs> but I can't say I'd be against that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See? There we there we go. That's, that's close <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, all right. And uh, one, more, one more thing to add about this. Um... Uh, the the mainstream media, of course, is um, uh, you know the because the Awful. left has uh, these communist sympathies. Um, at least a couple of news uh, mainstream media sources are are talking about uh, what a big co- COVID risk this is to have these protests, and maybe the protesters should all just go home and you know quarantine. Yeah, which you know has absolutely no no um hypocrisy at all from how they covered the george floyd protest so don't don't even think about that yeah i i remember that happening near the beginning of the COVID thing as well right you remember all the mainstream media saying uh these protests are big COVID risks and everyone should just go home right yes. that's what happened right i mean it did when they were uh right-wing protests and then the george floyd thing happened and immediately <laughs> like they just forgot to say that anymore <laughs> not o- i mean not only did they forget but it was like oh no this isn't this doesn't count like they specifically brought it up and we're like but this is these are good protests <laughs> so covid won't infect these people um and it turns out they were kind of right yes um because covid doesn't really transmit very well outdoors uh but anyway that's that story anything else to say about cuba one other thing which didn't make it onto the outline um but uh there have been some attempts of people to flee cuba and they have not been treated well by the biden administration more on that in my troop deployment all right well then let's move on to michael avenatti uh hey david yeah michael avenatti a good lawyer uh well um, you remember in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy how the primary purpose of the president was to distract from the people who really had the power 
and so the best president ever was one who had served like six years of his eight years term in office in prison. Yes. In a similar sense, Michael Avenatti is a good lawyer because he's going to jail for two years for def- trying to defraud Nike. <laughs> oh, that doesn't sound like a good lawyer. How, what was he doing to Nike? Oh, you didn't hear about this? No, no, it's a shoe company. Wes, do you want to tell him or shall I? I actually know very little about this because this is um, the less interesting Michael Avenatti case. <laughs> You're not wrong. He's got he's the, got three of them. The least, and this is like the, the most least interesting one. of three. Yeah, <laughs> the least interesting of three federal cases where he is the defendant. But what I understand is he was representing somebody suing Nike and. Uh, tried to get Nike to pay money to him personally to get the case dropped. Oh, uh, I think. Yeah, so pretty pretty much, uh, he said like, uh, what you need to do to get this case to go away is like hire a consultant to help fix these bad practices that you're doing that are hurting my client. And oh, by the way, I am such a consultant. And you should hire me to do the consulting to get this case to go away. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Avenatti's also facing charges for stealing from Stormy Daniels, right? Yeah. Stealing her book advance. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. And, uh... And and the third... What's the third one? Is that, uh... That's, like, the serious one, right? The third one... Yeah, the third one is, um... Uh, stealing his... I can't remember exactly why this person had given him money, but it was, like, some sort of thing where, like, he gives, uh, Avenatti money, like, to to be held in confidence until, like, something about a case is resolved. Um, I can't remember exactly what it is, but the thing it the... the thing that makes this case so interesting is that like the guy who Avenatti defrauded in this way which I can't remember the details of is like the most jury pleasing uh plaintiff ever he's like disabled and um and I I want to say he's like a veteran or something like that and just like there's basically no question that Avenatti's going way up the river for a long time in that case because he definitely did the thing and like the evidence is even stronger than in the Nike case and Nike is a big faceless corporation whereas this guy is like guaranteed to (laughs) appeal to the jury in the case so yeah why do we care about Michael Avenatti what's what's so special about him He's a public figure, Eniash. Is he? What, yeah. what is yeah. he figured in, in the public? He was, like, all over everywhere when he was representing Stormy Daniels. And they were he was, like, uh, being talked about as a presidential candidate. Oh. Okay. I, I yeah. must have tuned him out because he was a lawyer and I hate lawyers. No, don't we all? <laughs> That's <laughs> fair. <laughs> I well, I don't really hate lawyers, but uh, you know I, I really hate well, West, so that hatred just kind of seeps out to other lawyers. Oh, see, that's exactly wrong. <laughs> I hate all lawyers but me. Oh, okay, I got it backwards. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. On to other news. 
Um, this just happened like a couple days ago, but a federal judge declared DACA unconstitutional. Uh, now, if you don't remember, DACA is the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals Program. Hasn't that been going for Which, 10 years? Yes. Okay. Yes, it has. So I don't know why this just happened now. Um, but it's the it's the executive order which allows the um, people, it, it, undocumented immigrants who were brought to the country as children to avoid deportation, basically. Um, it was done by Obama in very in his first term so yeah it was something like 10 years ago and lots of people have registered for it and it was just declared unconstitutional uh i believe in i believe it was the federal uh district in texas so it's going to go to the fifth circuit and uh which is a pretty conservative circuit and they're not expected to overturn it and the new conservative supreme court is probably going to give it like eight middle fingers (laughs) So what, so what grounds was it declared unconstitutional under? So if I'm remembering right, DACA says, like, federal immigration enforcement isn't going to go after you. Right. But I don't think it says anything about state-level enforcement. No, it doesn't. I don't think states can deport people, though. Huh. Um, because the federal... I, well, I assume the federal judgment... The federal government has occupied the field of immigration... So I don't think states can regulate it much at all. Um, they can, you know, they can try to catch people, but they can't deport them. Hmm. Um, I think my understanding of the ruling is that it was just a um, presidential power grounds, basically saying um, that you know a bunch of laws give discretion to um, the departments that handle this and their department heads, and you can't just. Um, issue an executive order taking away that discretion Hmm. um which is wait isn't that the entire point of the executive branch no um well it is funny because conservatives think it is so this will be kind of a challenge to um conservative judges because they're usually very supportive of executive power especially executive power over executive branch departments um, the, a lot of them subscribe to the unitary executive theory, which basically means the president is in charge of the entire executive branch. Um, and they can basically do anything, uh, and issue, issue any order for any department. Um, but this is a left-wing program and a lot of judging is political. So it'll be interesting to see if they go with the politics or with the principles. This is, wow. So, I mean, mm. I know we've had a, a disagreement about this before because I've been very much of the opinion that executive power is way too strong and should be curtailed. And I think you had the exact opposite uh, take, but man, what a shitty, shitty place for this to finally be challenged. Like, right? DACA was one of the few programs I actually thought was cool. Yeah, the one thing yeah. the executive's not allowed to do. I mean, is the one thing that we want them to do. Wouldn't wouldn't this apply to all executive powers then, and make a lot of the executive power grabs of the past decade um, less less potent, less able to actually be done? No, it depends on how the uh, opinion's written. Okay, so it might not be evenly enforced at all. It might be just like you have all the power in the world except for this one specific case because we don't like immigrants. Whoa, wait, Eniash, are you suggesting? The judges sometimes issue narrow rulings to just invalidate things they don't like while sparing things they do. 
<laughs> that's preposterous, sir. It, oh, well, pardon me. I did not mean to impugn the judges of this country. Our federal judiciary stands on principle, sir. Uh, <laughs> that, you, well, I guess we'll see if they do, won't we? You know, this is the sort of thing that could make you turn you into sort of a quasi-conspiracy, not-trust-the-government nut, because... Like, you go 10 years ago, you're late teens, you want to go to college, this thing gets passed, and you're like, oh, thank God, and you register for it. And then 10 years later, the government is like, psych, we're taking that away. Oh, look, here's this handy list of names of people who declared themselves to be illegal immigrants. Maybe now we can just go after them. It's like, maybe I just won't trust the government ever again after this and let them ever have my name for anything. Oh, yeah, and I'm sure they had friends being like, "Mm -mm, don't give them your name. Yeah. Um, I I do assume that the judiciary won't allow them to use that information. Um, and because it's the Biden administration and they're very sympathetic to uh, dreamers, um, they'll probably comply with that and destroy the information if necessary. Uh, or at least uh, quarantine it. Well, that would be good. I don't have much faith yeah. in in that not being used, though, or being destroyed. I certainly don't think the government would ever destroy any information. Yeah, probably not destroyed. Well, I'm sure they'll leave it lying around so Trump administration round two can grab it and deport everybody. Huzzah. Ugh. But, you know, Heavens hopefully everyone moves fan. by then. Uh, I What I do have strong faith in is that Congress isn't going to do anything. Con- even though, like, super majorities of the people support the DREAM Act, which is the legislative fix for this. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they won't pass it because they're the worst and our system is broken and there are way too many veto points so no one can do anything ever yeah (laughs) all right well glad we cleared that up uh on to lighter news hunter biden back in the news yeah keeps embarrassing his dad i guess he has done art in in (laughs) for certain definitions of art and it, it goes up on auction and people buy it because they think, oh, I'm funneling money to Hunter Biden. He's a Biden. This will get me, you know, bonus cookie points with the administration. I I think it's fucking stupid and terrible. I assume that Joe Biden is just embarrassed for his stupid son at this point. And I don't know. Maybe maybe it has some, some influence on his dad. I, I just... Uh, I, I, I'm, I am kind of upset that Hunter Biden has such a grift and can just keep doing it, and there's not much anyone can do about it. This art is bad, but it honestly wouldn't look out of place in MoMA. Yeah, I mean, it's whatever. The, the, thing, the, the, thing, the reason it sells, though, is because Hunter Biden is Joe Biden's son. Yeah. No, I actually love Hunter Biden and his various grifts. <laughs> really? Yeah, because because he's just taking money from idiots. Well, like they think they're buying access, and like what's what access is having a Hunter Biden painting going to do for you? He should start a Substack, have a minimum subscription right? cost of ten thousand dollars a month. Right. Uh, is also is also I, what I love. Also, is they're like they've set up like a blind trust or something where the people who buy the paintings. Hunter Biden doesn't know who they are. Yeah. So there's like an intermediary, right? And so I just imagine him like getting, walking into somebody's house and seeing one of his paintings on the wall. 
<laughs> and they're being like, ah, Mr. Biden, do you think you could do us a favor? Yeah. And he'll just be like, uh, I don't know. I can try. Sure. Yeah. And then he'll be like, dad. And Joe will be like, shut up, Hunter. Yeah. Go away. Uh, I guess I guess this is one way of redistributing wealth. I just these people. Why do they think they're buying access? What is this going to get them? I don't know. Maybe they actually think this ought to be worth something. Like in fifty years, it'll be like oh, this is an original Hunter Biden. Remember him? <laughs> it, it was a part of history. Yeah. If we keep the dynasties going, maybe Hunter will be president in thirty years. Oh God, I hope so. <laughs> Hunter Biden presidency. It's an investment in the in his administration. Time for a left wing doofus. Oh, <laughs> that would that would that would be terrible. Yeah, I could see it. Uh huh. But not as terrible as the Delta variant, which is our next story. Boo. Um, it sucks. It's very virulent. Um, and lots of people are catching it. It's still mostly unvaccinated people. Um, the vaccines are protecting from it very well. It's, uh, it's getting through them a little bit. People are getting infected, but most, as with, as, as has been the case for a while, they're mostly not symptomatic. And the people that are symptomatic, almost all of them are avoiding serious illness or death. Um, so the answer is obviously get your vaccines. Um, if you're listening to the show and you don't have your vaccine, uh, you're probably not in America. Um, but you know, get your vaccine as quickly as possible. I, I'm really irritated at the people in America who are still not getting their vaccines. I'm sort of irritated with them. I'm kind of more irritated with the rest of us who care. Why? And, because I, I I don't mean like people are like like San Francisco. I think has has reinstated its mask mandate. Oh, that yeah, that's fucking stupid. To save these idiots. Yeah. Well, so don't save them. I mean, on the one hand. In my more uncharitable moods, when I am grumpy, I kind of really hope this these a sub variant will pop its head up and just rip through the unvaxed, you know, population, so we can finally be rid of them. Um, but but that's only when I'm really grumpy. I, I don't actually want lots of mass death. But also, like the fact that there are all these unvaxed people out there is one of the things that helps these variants pop up. Uh, maybe like they're not coming from unvaccinated Americans. Like in terms of the the world population, unvaccinated Americans are very a very small percentage. The variants are all coming from other countries. Sure, but they're still helping him get along. Either. Yeah, they're 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 definitely not uh, not helping the situation. Um, but I mean, Zvi had the right idea about this. He says, "Look, if you're going to do anything, just do vaccine passports. Just start saying like you have to be vaccinated to participate in group activities." Yeah. And then people will go get vaccinated. Or at the very least, like, allow businesses to do that. Yeah. Which you can do if you have vaccine passports, and you can't really do with these little card pieces of paper that anyone can print out. I mean, you can. People, Some people will fake them, but a lot of people won't. Yeah, I mean, I'm not comfortable with a, with a vaccine passport system administered by the current government, because privacy and the current government... But I do think they're a really good idea in principle. If you're going to make businesses able to segregate their their customers by whether they've had the vaccine or not, which I think you should, then there should be some method in place to have a good, verifiable, hard-to-fake signal that you got the vaccine, like some sort of, you know, hard-to-forge government passport thing. 
I don't even think you need that. I agree. The issue is, like, you'll probably need to check it against a database at some point. And if, oh, I don't know, just making things up here, say, uh, the NSA wanted to, uh, look at that database in order to track where everyone in the country is going, I have zero confidence that our government has any sorts of institutional frameworks that would stop them from doing that whenever they want. No, no, we have privacy. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. JK, um, no, we we don't have privacy, and we never will, because people don't actually care about privacy, um, considering how much information we give to Facebook. And maybe if it was just a really hard-to-forge document, that would stop 90, 95% of the people. I think that the little stupid, easy-to-forge card will stop 80% of people, because I just think people don't often forge things. I think this question of whether it will stop people from doing things is a bad question because we don't want to stop people from doing things we want people to get vaccinated right yeah but i would want a business to be able to say you know no one who's not vaccinated should come in here i mean sure but a sign on the door will probably do that a sign on the door isn't going to stop anyone most businesses are allowed to do that i think it's only like a couple of states that pass laws against that um, you know, and they're the, the dumbest states. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wait for a really virulent, virulent, virulent. How do you pronounce that word? Virulent. Yes. Let's wait for one of those to strain to come by and, and see how quickly people jump on the vaccination train when it's getting bad. Uh, well, yeah, we'll see. I feel like they're committed now. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they can like announce that like, oh, the vaccines have gone through a new round of testing. And have been found to be safe. So all you people who waited are super smart for doing that. But you can go ahead and get it now. That's not going to convince any of them. <laughs> I mean, par- uh, I, partly it's, it's I kind a- of like the notion, though. Yeah, no, I think that would be like the most convincing thing for these people. Not that not the t- apparently 20% who think that the, 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 the government's microchipping you through your vaccine. I mean, I think losing, if if we did get a really bad strain like that, losing 30% of the national workforce would be a really bad thing for both national security and just life in general for everyone. Yeah, but Eniash, we're not going to lose 30% of people. COVID is not very deadly. No, I don't think we'd lose them, but like, just if you're, you know, weakened and 20, 30% less productive than you used to be, that that's that's a thing too. Like, now you need special supports and stuff, that, that, that weakens a nation. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but the numbers you're talking about, COVID has never been, had had anything like those numbers. Oh, no, I don't mean this COVID. I mean, if we get, you know, special, the stand COVID. Oh, well, yeah, if we get some other super virus, then yes, things will be different. Yeah. But it's not going to happen with the virus we have. Yeah. Even, like, no variation of COVID is going to do that. I don't know. You can get some sneaky variations in there. Uh, I hope not, anyway. Yeah. Because you can get, once you get variants of variants... I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm worrying too much. I've read too many po- apocalyptic books. I think you're worrying too all much. All right, fine. I mean, it's it's all very worrisome. Bad things can happen, but not on the level you're talking about. I know there used to be like major problems in the south just with anemia because the waste um, facilities weren't weren't uh, very advanced, and their their entire economy 
That's not anemia you're thinking of. Anemia. That's not anemia you're thinking of. Anemia is a blood disease caused by genetics or uh, sometimes malnutrition. It's um, malaria. I don't think it was malaria. It was some. You're right. It wasn't actually anemia, but it was something very similar that was due to a parasite. And once better sanitation techniques were introduced in the South, it the entire economy boosted within the course of a generation. And I think something I think like parasites that can make you anemic. Well, they can have you make you be low energy and have similar uh, symptoms as anemia. Yeah, I mean, parasites in general can cause malnutrition. Yeah. So, so if malnutrition can cause anemia, then so can parasites. Yeah. Anyway, uh, other COVID news. Uh, Ineos, what's going on in France? Yeah, I don't know what the hell is going on in France, man. There's some crazy anti-vaxxers Does in France. Does anyone know what's going on in France? <laughs> they speak Ever? this weird language. I don't understand what's happening. But, uh, there's there's anti-vax protests in, van- in France. Uh, and, and the French people, like, they tend to really take their protests seriously, which is fun and interesting to watch when you're not actually in France, but uh, they destroyed, maybe not fully destroyed, but damaged, partially destroyed at least two vaccine clinics in the uh, in the last what? week. What? Yeah, yeah. The uh, shit, the, they're taking a they're taking a page out of the American abortion protesters playbook? I, yeah, they, uh, one of them was like flooded with fire hoses and uh lots of damage and another one was partially burned down yeah by arsonists what the shit france (laughs) get your shit together (laughs) apparently these protests were over vaccine passports so maybe that's a reason we're not doing that yeah they they don't fuck around in france when they protest man well they're used to it right aren't they protesting all the time yeah i yes because they're like, isn't uh, isn't unemployment like perpetually at like fifteen twenty percent in France for at least the last yep. fifteen years? Yeah, three uh, cheers for democratic socialism! Yay! Hooray! Yeah, we All right, a well, third cheer! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, so sincere. Uh, all right, and other COVID news. Um, Tennessee is um going a little nuts. They have, their health department has halted all vaccine outreach to kids. And not just for COVID, for all vaccinations. What? Um, yeah. So Including they're not like doing polio? Yes. Holy shit. They can fit microchips in any vaccine nowadays, David. It's not just yeah, the right? COVID var- variants. So before uh, COVID happened, they had like vaccine clinics set up at schools to vaccine kids against, you know, all the things kids need vaccine for. Um, They've stopped those Um, and they've been ordered to for all the, the health department is still allowed to issue information about vaccines, but they have to take the agency logo off any documents. Oh, so nobody knows it's from the health department. Fuck. Jesus Christ. And this is, I mean, this is clearly just, you know, COVID anti-vaxxers getting their way and now have turning against all vaccines, which awesome. Just what, just what we needed. More anti-vaxxers. Yeah. Uh, And Eniaz, you have a note here about uh, somebody getting fired. Yeah. Dr. Michelle Fiscus uh, was the top Tennessee vaccine 
person. I don't know what the, the exact title, uh, but she was Vaccinologist. fired. All righty. Uh, she was fired that, from that her position. That was a position. word I just made up. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you could have gotten away with it. <laughs> Should have kept your mouth shut. <laughs> um, she was fired because she uh, would directly uh, target the, her message to teens, saying, look, you don't need parental approval to get vaccines. You can make this decision for yourself. And uh, everyone else said, no, fuck that. Uh, you get the fuck out of here thinking that teens are people who can make decisions for themselves. And uh, that's just a thing that I wanted to mention because it's a drum I've been beating for the past couple months in my other show and in my life in general. So, yeah. Teens, not real people, according to the so, law. So, I do agree with you there. But also, I agree with you in general, but I'm not sure that this is a specific instance of that. Because our society in general does take a everything not forbidden is mandatory uh, position with, like, medical stuff. So, really? I'm not, uh, yeah? Have you been paying attention? I don't think it, for most medical stuff it does. Uh, mandatory cosmetic surgery. Right. <laughs> Eni Ash, you're too ugly. I, I, that's what people doctor. keep telling me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for certainly for, like, COVID stuff, and I think we've all agreed that this is basically just an adjunct of the COVID debate. Yeah, but I mean, specifically in this situation, but, it was telling teens they can choose to get the vaccine. No one was saying they have to. But vaccines aren't even mandatory. Yeah. Yeah, but I think, but I think if she went to any specific group in the in the climate that Tennessee apparently has and said, hey, you can just get the vaccine, then that would probably be fireable. Like, I mean, I I don't know about Tennessee, but there's, there's always been a cry in America of think of the children whenever anyone wants to do anything horrible. Or anything not horrible. Yeah, yeah, you... Yeah, I don't know. I'd need to think about it what? a bit more, but consider my statement, um... What do you call it? Uh, Epistemic status questionable? Uh, I was going to say, uh, it, it, it's the word for, like, when... Withdrawn? You're, when you're doing something temporarily to see if it works out. Tentative? Yeah, sure. Consider it tentatively withdrawn. Okay. Okay. Wow, so they called out specifically, they said, um, the health department should conduct no outreach whatsoever regarding the HPV vaccine. Ugh. No proactive outreach regarding routine vaccines, and not to do any pre-planning for flu shot events. <laughs> so, um, anyone else awesome. look forward to when uh, Tennessee has been depopulated by waves, waves of pestilence, and uh, we can all pick up some really cheap real estate there? I'm not looking forward to that, because the pestilence sometimes spreads. That's one of the problems with pestilences. That uh, is one of the problems with pestilence. That is one of the problems with pestilence, isn't it? Yeah, of course, hopefully it'll just be diseases we're vaccinated against. Yeah. Fun fact, only 38% of Tennesseans are vaccinated against COVID. 38%! Jeez, that's a small number. Hmm. Yep, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, It's okay. Tennessee whiskey is not as good as Kentucky anyway. Not that I imagine Kentucky's any better. I mean, if you inhaled the whiskey, it'd probably burn out any COVID that's in your lungs. <laughs> uh, that is not true. Listeners, do not take that advice. Uh, I don't know where Four Roses is made, but that's my preferred whiskey. Uh, 
Four Roses, I believe, makes bourbon, which by law has to be made in Kentucky. Wait, what? Okay. All bourbon is made in Kentucky. Oh, is this like the champagne thing? Yes. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, in, from Tennessee, you get Tennessee whiskey, oh. which is filtered through charcoal. It's a very cool process. So is bourbon just whiskey that's made in Kentucky? Uh, it's got some other um, criteria. It has to be aged at least two years. Um, it has to be a specific blend of grains. But it's basically whiskey. Like, champagne is basically bubbly white wine. Yeah, it's the same. They make they make bourbon-style whiskey a lot of places. They just don't call it bourbon. Got it. Jack Daniels makes Tennessee whiskey because they're in Tennessee, mm-hmm. and it's very—it's actually a very cool uh, uh, distillery if you ever get a chance to go there. Uh, but don't go now because only thirty-eight percent of Tennesseans are vaccinated, <laughs> so it's full of COVID. Um, though I imagine the numbers are much higher in Nashville, which is the best city in Tennessee. Isn't it? Like so you can go there. Pretty much the only city in Tennessee. No, there's also Memphis, and Memphis. Oh sucks. right, yeah, Memphis is bad. We purged yeah. it from our memories. That's how bad it was. <laughs> uh, ten- Nashville has everything Memphis has, but it's like good and <laughs> it's bad in Nashville. <laughs> Nashville's like the <laughs> shitty version of everything. Or t- Memphis has like the shitty version of everything Nashville has. Yeah. Yeah, including the music. It's all Delta Blues. Ugh. Hmm. All right. Anyway, <laughs> let's just move on and can stop ranting about Memphis. Yeah. One. I want to know what Memphis thing- did to hurt you. I just, I went there right after Nashville, and I was like, wow, this sucks. Uh, One thing Memphis does have going for it is a Kabbalistic connection to the capital of Egypt. But that's literally it. That's pretty much it, though. Yeah. Um, All right. So here's a weird story. The Guardian has published a, what they're saying is like an internal Russian report uh, about Trump from before the election um and it in there is like how much putin wants trump to be president because he's just like crazy idiot who will fuck up america um which we all knew already like everyone we all kind of knew we like that's that's Mueller found that and a, a lot of it was known before that that Putin was a big Trump fan because he thought Trump would just fuck up America. Uh, the interesting part is that they the report does say they have compromising material on him. Um, the Guardian claims that this is totally legit. Uh, I I'm skeptical. Uh, it's just weird that this comes out now. Would it even matter? Like the national press has compromising information on Trump and they publish it all the time and it doesn't matter. Yeah. True. Who knows what they mean by compromising information? Yeah. It could be like, oh, we know that he had sex with a porn star. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And it's like, yeah, dude, everyone knows yeah. that. And this is from because this is from before the election, so you know, it wasn't it wasn't clear yet that nobody actually gives a mm-hmm. shit. Especially not the religious right. Uh, see, last month or last episode's troop deployment. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm skeptical that this is real, and if it is real, it probably won't actually change anyone's mind about anything. But it seems to me, it seems relevant. Like I would like to know if the Russians actually have like blackmail material on Trump. Sure. Uh, but, you know, remains to be seen. I guess everyone would like to know that. Yeah. 
Uh, Eniash, tell us about the Joint Chiefs of Staff. The Joint Chiefs Joint Chiefs of Staff, which I'm not sure if that's a um, common term outside of the U.S., but if we have non-U.S. listeners, those are basically the uh, highest military commanders in our nation. You really can't get any higher than that. Um, but uh, apparently, according to a new book uh, that has just been published, the Joint Chiefs of Staff feared that a Trump would attempt a coup, uh, a coup after the election and were uh, considering steps to what they would um, do if, if that did happen. Uh, saying things like, he, you know, he's not going to fucking be able to do it. A lot of F-bombs in this thing. Uh, that it won't <laughs> fucking work. We control, whoa, we control uh, the guns, that kind of thing. So, um, I don't know. It's obviously the, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and specifically uh, one uh, was called out in particular. Uh, was it Mattis? Miley. No, not Mattis. Uh, Mark Miley. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Uh, and they, he's still, you know, in uh, in that position. So he is not confirmed or said anything about it. The military has a very strict not interacting with the press while as long as you're in the military uh, tradition. So, um, you know, not, not personally collaborated, but, it, you know... Credible allegations, at least. And uh, the name of the book is I Alone Can Fix It, based on something uh, Trump has said. So uh, that was that was really interesting that even the Joint Chiefs of Staff were really uh, worried about this sort of thing happening. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how relevant a story this is. I feel like the military probably draws up plans for lots of crazy scenarios. It's true. There's... That they don't think are actually going to happen. Yeah, we do have a Canadian invasion plan. Right. Um, and the, uh, the reason I think it's not that big a story is that the, you know, there was an attempted coup. Um, so the fact that some people were worried about one seems kind of small potatoes compared to the, the thing that actually happened. Well, I mean, the thing that actually happened didn't involve Trump ordering the military to seize power. So that would have been a bigger no. deal. No. And this was, this was, I mean, this was basically what I thought before um when bill maher was out running around telling everyone that trump wasn't gonna leave which you know good on him he uh he, he was definitely right about that that trump was gonna do whatever he could to stay but my position was always well like he can't really do that much at some point he's gonna have to leave i mean he could and have the military is not gonna back him he could have tried to order the military to you know instate him forcefully he could but they wouldn't have listened. No, they wouldn't and have. As, you probably knew that. I mean, as as yeah, this this book demonstrates the military was very much talking about how they would not do that if he tried that kind of thing. I don't know. I thought it was interesting that they actually were worried he might try to order that. Yeah, I think it's, it's a little interesting, but I I just don't know if it means much. You know, I don't I don't I wouldn't be surprised if they had a plan drawn up for like what happens if yeah uh, Obama won't leave. Sure, but I don't think anyone you know. was seriously worried that might happen ever before. No. But that's what I'm saying. I don't know if, if like, coming up with a plan really means that they were worried about it. I mean, from the quotes Though, here... The quotes it's, in this article... Yeah, from the quotes, it sounds like Miley really was. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, that just shows he has decent judgment. <laughs> True. <laughs> I think anyone uh, should have been at least a little worried about that. Yep. All right. Um, and next story... Uh, shit going down in Haiti. Yeah, uh, I don't 
really have anything to say about this. I don't know if we really have a take, but it's I figured big enough news that we should at least mention it. Uh, Haiti's president was assassinated. Uh, yeah. bunch of bunch of people stormed the, his place and killed him, and that's pretty much all anyone knows right now. It's still very much shrouded in mystery, and uh, they don't even know the motives yet. I mean, I'm assuming they're political. Yeah, the, and the the weird part of this story is that they the president was the only one killed. Yeah. Um, they, the, I, I, this was like this paramilitary group just showed up with a bunch of guys and a bunch of guns and just completely overwhelmed the president's security and they let him in and they just walked up and killed him. Um, so it's pretty fucked up, but nobody really knows what is, you know, what, what's going to happen next. Nobody's really in power yet. Don't they have a line of succession? Uh, there is some dispute. I see. Over who's going to be. I think there is in a line of succession, but um, there's other people who think they should be in charge. Weren't there whisperings that, like, this might have been the CIA or something? Or was that a different Haitian? That this might have been what? Uh, that this might have been the CIA or something? I mean, there's always whisperings of when anything in the world happens that it's the CIA. Yeah, I, I I can't remember the details, but I remember just, like, seeing a headline or something that was, like, CIA suspected in murder of Haitian dot dot dot. And I assumed that the conclusion was president, but I didn't click on the link, so I don't know. <laughs> I hear th- there's a Florida security company that may kind of be tangentially involved, but it looks, I don't know, it, I didn't put anything in there uh, anything about that in here because it looked like it was such a tenuous connection it wasn't really worth commenting on and yeah cia is always assumed to be involved whenever someone's murdered in a in a government position and they probably yeah all right well enough of that on to happy news good news everyone uh david tell us about space uh yeah so uh uh, richard branston the uh, ceo of virgin galactic uh, has gone to space, uh, with the asterisks that it was only space by some definitions of space. Uh, but he did, uh, go to space by some definitions of space on a rocket that was designed and built by his company. Uh, and it wasn't a rocket, it was like a plane type thing with a rocket attached to it, um, for like the first stage, um, or rather... The rocket had a plane attached to it for the first stage. Um, uh, so yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, and also, um, the day after the recording, so the day that patrons will hear this, and the day before uh, the plebs hear it, uh, Jeff Bezos will also go to space by some definitions of space, and in so doing, remove all doubt about whether rockets are phallic symbols. Because, listeners, if I tell you that the rocket Bezos is using is shaped like a penis, then the image that comes into your mind will not be nearly as phallic as the rocket that Jeff Bezos is, uh, is. Holy shit, I just Googled it. Yeah, I was legit (laughs) surprised. (laughs) That is a dick rocket. (laughs) So, tell me, Wes, when I said just a second ago... Uh, that it was shaped like a penis. Did you imagine something as phallic as what came up on your Google search? No. 
that's just an absolute penis. <laughs> uh, listeners, I would be delighted oh, to know if after hearing this whole exchange, whether uh, what's in your mind is as phallic as what will come up when you inevitably Google this. So please let me know. I am very curious whether there's any words other than Google it that will successfully convey how phallic this thing is. Um, now, I'm very excited about tomorrow's launch, yesterday's launch for our regular listeners, um, because I don't give a shit Jeff Bezos is going to space, but he's taking another person with him, and her name is Wally Funk. And Wally Funk is a member of the original Mercury 13, oh. which were a group of women who were tested in the 1960s as when the uh, first Mercury missions were going on. And they were um, put through the same uh, medical tests that the Mercury astronauts were put through and were told that this was a NASA program and that they were being vetted to be astronauts. Um, and was that this was actually done by the same doctor who tested the Mercury astronauts. And they got the rug completely pulled out from under them um, by first by the military, then by NASA, and then finally by Lyndon Johnson, hmm. who was vice president at the time. Um, and it's um, it's a really interesting story um, that, I, that I've actually read a lot about. Um, but Wally Funk was the youngest member of the Mercury 13. She's 82 now. She's oh, the wow. only surviving one. And she's going up on the Blue Origin. That's awesome. So she's going to make it to space. And I, I just think that's awesome. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so that is... Yeah. Um, Good for Bezos, That is man. definitely happiness. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. That is great. That is great. And also, Lyndon Johnson sucked. Yeah, I mean, the real villain of the story is... Um, who's everyone's... What's the guy's name? Who's everyone's favorite astronaut? Armstrong? Like he was here. a senator. <laughs> No. no, not Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Aldrin. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ, Daniel. <laughs> no. It's... John Glenn. Oh, John Glenn. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Cobb was the name of the, um, the the woman basically leading the charge on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a character on the uh, TV show For All Mankind based on her, which is awesome. Um, but John Glenn testified against her. At the um, the congressional hearing that they held about basically deciding whether to continue this astronaut training and possibly send these women to space, um, and John Glenn was like, "Nah, don't do it. It's uh, you know, just women don't do that." You know, he was a real prick about yeah. it. So fuck John Glenn. Yeah. I didn't realize that yeah. he was a douche like that. So, so when yeah, you described was. him as everyone's favorite astronaut, was that a joke? Because as far as I'm aware, he's no. no one's favorite astronaut. Everyone loves John Glenn. He was a what? senator. No. And I don't love him. And that was before I learned he was an asshole. <laughs> no, my favorite astronaut was uh, Buzz Aldrin. And second was Laika. Like, for everyone who knows anything. I. Alright, well, John Glenn is very popular. Okay, I'll take your at word least, for it. But at uh, least part of the blame needs like to be laid on probably on Lyndon Johnson. Yes, we agree on that. When I when I release my rock opera about all this <laughs> with John Glenn as the villain, nice. Then um, then you'll see. Yeah. 
because lots of people will yell at me. Can John Glenn be, um, like, the Darth Vader to Lyndon Johnson's Emperor Palpatine? Uh, I mean, in this very limited circumstance, I don't think he really did anything else. I mean, sure, that's what I meant. But there needs to be more uh, media portraying sure. presidents as the jerks and assholes they were. Mostly Woodrow Wilson, but also Lyndon Johnson, Andrew Jackson, <laughs> Richard Nixon. Yes, I. I'm gonna say yes, yes. I do have an Arya Stark style kill list of presidents. <laughs> <laughs> but the, they're all already dead. Yeah, it sucks. Um. So, David, tell us about the uh, discourse about millionaires in sp- or billionaires in space. Yeah, so there's been some uh, hashtag discourse. It's very important to include the hashtag because otherwise people might think you're respecting them about whether it's okay to have billionaires with go to space money. Nobody thought that. Uh, because these people think that we should implement a wealth tax and take away their go to space money so that we can have more drones for the forever wars. Um, I support a wealth tax and billionaires in space. Oh, so you like both the drones for the forever wars and billionaires in space. I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously. Come on. I think my favorite take was someone who said that uh, people are all up in arms about billionaires spending money on uh, on going to space instead of poor people because they think that the government should take money from all Americans so they can spend it on going to space instead of on poor people. Um, well, tell those people to shut the fuck up and uh, tell them that Wally Funk is going to space in addition to Jeff Bezos, so they should all be happy about oh, yeah. it. All right, more happy news. We've actually started leaving Afghanistan. What? Uh yeah, it actually, it seems like it's really happening. Um, you know, Biden said we're going to be out by September 11th, and it looks like we might actually hit that deadline. Damn. And if not, we're we're going to do it soon after. Um, but they're closing bases. People are leaving. Uh, George W. Bush is having a sad about it. Oh. <laughs> He's like, oh, we shouldn't leave Afghanistan. <laughs> Which, um, you know, it was the reminder I needed to remember how terrible he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know we, uh, we, we we covered the announcement a few episodes ago that we were leaving, but it's actually started. Uh, so it uh, looks like it's one campaign promise Biden seems to be living up to. Interesting. I'm wondering what yeah. crisis in the Middle East is going to pop up before we get out of there that makes us have to stay forever. I mean, the Taliban's already taking over. Yeah, I guess we've... And everyone knows that's what was going to happen yeah that you know we've been training but we've been training the afghan army for 20 years and if they can't fight off the taliban yet they're never going to so it's either stay forever or get out now why does the taliban have all the good fighters in afghanistan Uh, i don't know islam Mm. (laughs) Uh, america probably has a lot to do with it i guess if you're upset about a foreign a foreign power um colonizing your country you're probably not going to throw in with the people who are cozying up to that foreign power yeah i don't know all right and we have one more happy news uh from Eniash. yeah uh plastic waste is being looked at as a way to replace some of the sand in cement uh i 
don't know how many people are aware of this. I think it's been getting more news lately, but uh, sand is, you know, a huge input into uh, the making of cement, and cement is used in all sorts of construction, and it's gotten to the point where there's uh, starting to be, in certain countries, sand mafias, because the governments are restricting, you know, where you can take the sand from, and there's now black markets in people taking sand and selling it to construction, well, cement companies in other countries. It's it's a whole thing. There, there's people literally dying over sand because it's yeah. important. And you, and you can't just take it from the desert because apparently you need like super fine sand. Yeah, desert sand is no good. Yeah, so uh, that's that's been a thing. And this uh, one one researcher is looking at a way that we might be able to use plastic waste to uh, replace up to ten percent of the sand needed in cement. Not not all of it because apparently it does not stick to the cement very well, and so it can't really do the whole job of sand, but even a 10% reduction would be good. And uh, that's, you know, also something to do with all our waste plastic. So that's uh, that's cool. That's a step forward. Yeah. Yeah, because mm. if you don't remember, uh, a few months ago we learned that you can't actually recycle. Yeah. And that most of the plastic you throw in the recycling is just getting thrown in the trash. Yeah. So this would be great to have find something to do with this plastic. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to troop deployments. I'm willing to put wave after wave of men at your disposal. As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our hosts to send a soldier out onto the battlefield each episode. And we'll start with David. Yeah, so I've joked on here a couple of times about how the honeymoon period was over and Biden was a total piece of shit. And honestly, we've known he was a total piece of shit for a while but the way he's handled the protests in Cuba, which was basically just, like, some very mealy-mouthed support for the protesters and absolutely no, like, substantive um, support for them getting out of Cuba and into America or any other things that would actually help improve the situation has just completely sapped all of my patience for him. Seriously, Joe Biden can eat a bag of dicks. Um, and, like, seriously, just fuck this guy. And, like, to make it worse, he has been on press releases uh, talking about how, um, and I quote, Facebook is literally killing people because they're being insufficiently vigorous in censoring uh, that which the mainstream has declared to be misinformation about the COVID vaccines, which, to be fair, it probably is mostly misinformation, but also framing that as quote-unquote literally killing people. When, for now at least, Biden is still sending American troops over to die in forever wars is just a little bit more than I have patience with. Fuck Joe Biden. He sucks. If you ever thought otherwise, then, like, I don't blame you, but you should be reconsidering that position now. And, yeah, he can eat a big bucket of shit. All right. Thank you, David. Uh, yes, Michael Shermer was big in the New Atheist movement way back in the day. Not one of the four horsemen, not like huge, but a well-known name. Do, Wes, do you remember Michael Shermer at all? Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, a thing that he would often say when he came on to talk about atheism and stuff, he's, he would throw in a plug for getting lap belts on school buses. Because there are very, very, very few school buses that have lap belts. Um, and it does help prevent injuries and deaths uh, when those things get into accidents. And yes, school buses are very safe overall, but lap belts would help. And I was reminded of this this last weekend when I went up on a um, rafting trip and they had an old converted school bus that they used to ship us around and uh, none of them had lap belts and I felt like just oddly naked and exposed and like I could die any second because I didn't have a belt over me. And uh, yeah, it just reminded me that People still say they care about their children, and yet somehow nobody gives a shit that the school buses we use to bus children around don't have lap belts. Uh, I have seen a, the counter-protest that lap belts would cost seven to $10,000 per bus, uh, which, uh, god damn, I don't know how that is happening. I guess that's probably a true number because of cost disease and the U.S. government it being terrible at everything. But, wow, well, we should really look into that and maybe maybe get some lap belts on school buses one of these days michael Shermer, i'm still with you 20 years later well the important thing is the kids are wearing masks also uh looks like 480,000 buses in the u.s uh adds up to approximately one rounding error in the u.s federal budget <laughs> okay i mean i, I still think it's I mean, an obscene it's... amount of money and i can see why people don't want to pay it it's definitely a ridiculous number, but, like, honestly, are we even at the point in our politics where quibbling over a mere, um, uh, $4 billion and change is, like, anything worth noticing at all? Because I feel like it's kind of not. Like, especially considering how much the government already likes to impinge on everybody's freedoms and rights in the name of thinking of the children, but they can't actually think of the actual children when it comes to Fair. lap belts. I'm instinctually against lap belts because I just hate safety. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I really have just like an instinctual like revulsion against people saying, let's do this to increase safety. Um, but this is actually probably worth it because... Automobiles are the most dangerous thing most of us encounter. Yeah. But I still, it still feels bad. Alright. Right. Uh, my troop deployment this week is a plug for a few other podcasts. You traitor. Anyone who's listening to our podcast is probably already listening to Eniash's other two podcasts. The, the Bayesian Conspiracy and Not Everything is a Clue. So I'm not going to tell you about those. Um, but I do want to tell you about the Uncultured Swine podcast. That is done by my friends Johnny and GSV, uh, who read through the Culture series by Ian M. Banks um, in fan favorite order, not publication order. Um, they do a great job uh, with the books. I think the podcast is honestly better than the books, um, and I'm only really reading the books to listen to the podcast. Um, and uh, this happened. This was recorded months ago, but I only heard it this week, um, where they gave us a shout out. Uh, and, uh, then demanded I give them one. So, uh, that's what I'm doing. Listen to the Uncultured Swine. And here's a bonus endorsement of a podcast called Too Rash, Too Unadvised. Um, by Bayesian Conspiracy Discord members Wawaruki and Confused Canadian. Um, they are, and th this is, uh, and I, I should note, both of these podcasts I actually inspired. 
um, basically just by say, telling these people they should do do these podcasts. Um, too Rash, Too Unadvised is reading through Ada Palmer's Terra Ignota series, which is one of my favorites. Um, it is fantastic. I recommend it to everybody, and I heavily recommend following along with the podcast because they are also great. Um, they dive into a lot of the stuff that um, might go over your head uh, upon a first reading, um, and it's just delightful. So everyone should check out those two podcasts and also uh, Eniash's other podcasts if you haven't already. All right, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening. Follow us on all the things. Give us your money on Patreon. Um, give us ratings. Give us reviews. And come back in two weeks. Same rat time, same rat time. Bye, everybody. Bye.